Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. 2020 is turning out to be a very bad year for California's wine industry. A report out this week from Sonoma State University estimates California wine business lost more than $4 billion since the start of the shutdown. More than 40,000 people directly or indirectly involved in making, distributing, and serving wine could also lose their jobs. We're talking everyone from laborers harvesting grapes to sommeliers at upscale restaurants in L.A. and San Francisco. But wineries in many parts of the state have been allowed to reopen if they take coronavirus precautions. I drove up to the Central Coast wine country to see how things are going. The Grenache Blanc, again, bright acidity. You'll taste a lot of different fruit, but I pick up a lot of tart green apple on it. It's just a nice, refreshing wine. I went to Tablas Creek Vineyard and Winery outside of Paso Robles. Founded in 1989, Tablas prospered as the Central Coast wine scene grew. Um, And you can see that we're fairly early in the growing season. The berries are kind of smaller than peas right now, but they're they're on their way. Uh, we'll, We'll probably be picking this sometime in the beginning of October. Jason Haas is Tablas Creek's general manager and the son of the founder. He sat down with me to talk about the effect the coronavirus has had on California's wine business. His tasting room closed for three months. I mean, I've been doing this for 18 years, and there's been nothing like this. Now that we've reopened, we really had to reinvent how we do tastings in order to feel like we can do them safely um, and sustain this over the course of the long term. So this is a whole different order of magnitude in terms of challenges that we've had to overcome. And I assume then what's happened here has happened at other wineries up and down the state. Absolutely. I I mean, I think there's nothing unique about our experience. I mean, it's been a, a statewide, a statewide challenge. All of the tasting rooms had to be closed. Everybody had to pivot for three months to e-commerce and curbside pickup. And now everybody's having to pivot again and figure out how to reopen reopen their tasting spaces. And when it comes to a, a tasting room and having to close it for your winery and others, why is that so important? Uh, is it because it's the public-facing front of, of your winery? This is where people begin their relationship with this winery. I, I, I would assume it's that more than just raw sales that happen here. Yes, you do sell. You sell a lot of wine, a quarter of the wine that we make to, to sell. That's that's a big it's a big piece. I mean, there's no better way to discover what a winery is all about than to go there and feel the place and see the environment where the wines are made, talk to the people who make it. You get a sense of the bigger picture of what the winery is all about. And more than that, what the place is about and what the people are about. And I think that's how you make lasting connections with customers. So I'm talking to you as you've just recently reopened, like a lot of other tasting rooms and wineries across the state. Um, What's different now? When I come here now versus three, four months ago, what's changed briefly? 
the biggest one is that we moved all of our tastings outside. It seems like the the data is pretty convincing that the risks risks of COVID transmission outside are very low. Um, we had to move entirely to tastings by reservation. You used to be able to just walk in and, and do a tasting, but because we don't want people waiting and building up, we want to make sure that we have enough time between tastings that we can clean spaces properly, we can make sure that people have a good experience. Um, we're doing all of our tastings seated at tables instead of standing up across a, a tasting bar. We're doing our tastings in flights um, so that we're not pouring one wine after another and having so many face-to-face -face interactions. We're bringing the, the flights out three wines at a time. Obviously, we're wearing masks. We're asking our, our customers to wear masks as well. We're doing a lot of, a lot of cleaning, the way that every, every business is, cleaning and sanitizing between guests. And, you know, as, as important as the wine industry is to California's economy and as important as wine is, is to a lot of people's personal lives and their enjoyment of life, what's your best argument for reopening this place at all? I mean, why? You're not an essential service, right? I mean, we can both agree. So, so why do this in the first place? We do feel like this sort of um, experience is exceptionally low risk in terms of the sorts of experiences that that people are now talking about reopening. You don't have much face-to-face -face contact. You can do this outside. And I think it is... You say it's safer than going to, say, a movie theater, for instance. Safer than going to a movie theater. Safer than going to an indoor restaurant. Safer than going to get a pedicure or going to a gym. So in terms of trying to figure out what sorts of activities are both safe to reopen and offer people an appealing option, something that they can feel good about going out and doing. I feel like this is this is one of the ones that, that kind of checks both of those boxes. That's Jason Haas of Tablas Creek Winery. As it tries to recover from the economic impact of the coronavirus, one advantage Haas has is the size of his business. In downtown Paso Robles, owners of small tasting rooms are trying to hang on, like Dorothy Schuler, co-owner of Bodegas Paso Robles. Well, it's very difficult. We lost all our wholesale business, number one. And that was really frightening, to be perfectly honest. And then we're looking and we're looking and how are we going to make any money? Thank God we have wonderful wine club members. So that helped alleviate some of the stress. We had some people who were calling up their friends and having them order cases of our wine. As a smaller place, can you sustain this long term? I mean, no. this number of customers, uh, no? No, we could not sustain it long term. That's why it's important that we open up now. I mean, it's a miracle we've gotten this far, as far as I'm concerned. That's Dorothy Schuler of Bodegas Paso Robles. So let's have a toast to your health, dear listeners, and to the health of these businesses and all their workers. And that's the California Report for Friday, July 3rd, a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin and Danny Bringer. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin, Alice Wolfley, and Raquel Maria Dillon. I'm Saul Gonzalez in L.A. Have a great Fourth of July weekend and stay safe. 
Support for the California Report comes from the California Healthcare Foundation, acknowledging the vital work of local public health departments to keep Californians safe during the pandemic, on the web at chcf.org. The James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing through science the interdependence of all living systems. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Happy reading! 